welcome to the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast with co-founders and hosts, Tracy Callahan and Deborah Doak. Each week, we tackle another tough topic to help professional divorce coaches maximize client impact and cultivate thriving practices. We also want to spread the word about the expertise and value that certified divorce coaches bring to the table. At DCA, we are committed to ongoing learning and we value generosity among divorce coaching professionals. We believe that when one succeeds, we all succeed. Welcome back to Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. I'm Deborah. I'm here with Tracy. And today we're going to talk about curse words in divorce coaching. Mm -hmm. Things like I should, or we should, you should, I think, I believe. Those are, um, Tracy and I were talking about this and um, some of the things we hear new coaches do. And they're really, we call them curse words because they're things we really want to work on avoiding. So Tracy, let's talk about how we came up with the idea for this podcast topic. Right. So when people think of the word curse words, right, they think of a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, our normal language, right? And I'm going to admit, sometimes I do use those curse words, not always, sometimes. Mm. Um, If if, for those of you that know me, sometimes those occasionally fall into our uh, coaching conversations. But I think what's more important is to recognize is how um, kind of difficult those words that we're talking about and what they really mean to the overall coaching conversation and uh, the pathway that they can take when we are using words such as, I think, I believe, I understand, you should, we should, Mm -hmm. right? They take away from the focus of our client and put it squarely on the coach. Right. Right. So let's start with, I think, I believe. Yeah. Right. Big ones. Those are big ones. So when I, as a coach say, I think, or I believe what those are doing is skipping over the whole idea that this is about the client figuring out what they think and what they believe. And so I have been known in a mock coaching session with mentees when I hear them say, well, I think to hit the pause button and say, no one cares what you think. (laughs) (laughs) We are here, (laughs) right? We are here to help the client self-discover their values, their priorities, the decisions they want to make. And you know, they are looking to you. They hired you. They're paying you money because they believe you are an expert. They believe that you are a professional. And so the mistake we make when we say things like that is they're going to take your opinion as gospel, as truth, and then it clouds their ability Yeah. To figure out what they want. Yeah. To make decisions for themselves. Right. Right. And this really speaks a lot to the language that we use with our clients. And even before, you know, sort of looking at these very specific 
curse words or things we should not be saying as coaches. One of the first things that I really like to focus on with coaches and developing their skills as divorce coaches and in their coaching conversations is the importance of language, right? To be able to also speak the language that your client is speaking. So when we get lost in sort of overly coachy terminology, right? We might be losing our client, again, putting the spotlight on the coach rather than the spotlight on the client. Mm -hmm. And the words I think and I believe, right? Then yes, exactly. The client is looking to you. It takes their power away from their ability and self-discovery and self-reflection to be able to make decisions that are reflective of their needs and wants and puts it squarely on the coach saying, you should right? Mm -hmm. I'm the expert. This is what you need to do, which is counterintuitive to the work that we do as coaches in this process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we, they are overwhelmed. They are unsure. They are feeling disempowered. Mm -hmm. Our job as coaches is not to tell them what to do. It is to help them figure out what they want to do. And so when we use curse words like, I think, I believe, you should, we take Mm -hmm. that away from them, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, In the church, we would call that stealing ministry, right? (laughs) You're taking away the opportunity for them to do that work. We also, um, we've talked about this in, in other episodes, which is, if we tell them what to do in this instance, the advice may be spot on. Let's let's say that, right? Yes. You're you're an expert. You as a divorce coach are an expert, and your advice may be absolutely appropriate for that client. But the other thing we've lost there is give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. You can tell them what to do in this particular instance. Instance. But if you're not helping them get their own thinking process going, their own mindset going, their own confidence in their decision-making going, then they have to have you to tell them what to do next time and the next time and the next time. It becomes a a crutch. Exactly. And and our job is to catch and release. Our job is to bring a client in, work with them, help them self-discover, get their own power back. And then be able to to do that for the rest of their lives, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and, and we can do that in a very supportive manner. Again, putting that spotlight directly back on the client. If we hold true that our clients really know what's best for them, right? We don't know what's best for them. We might understand the divorce process. We might know very specific aspects of barriers and obstacles within the divorce process. But it is, it's about that client self-discovering for themselves and coming up with their own ideas to be empowered. And we know a lot of uh, our clients come into this process of divorce very 
disempowered. Mm-hmm. And we see this with a lot of the professional team involved with some of our clients, right? That they're seeking expert perspective. Often those expert perspectives become tellers of what they should and shouldn't do and remove the power from the client and actively engaging in their own life. I'm, I'm famous for saying with a lot of clients and discussing this and exploring this is that when their divorce is said and done, right? Mm-hmm. When, when they have finished everything, they get final judgment. They're the ones left holding that bag, right? So if they were not actively involved in making decisions, there is a lot of anger, sometimes resentment, sometimes uh, fear, for what was left because they weren't involved in that process. So those words are so powerful. And, and how do we reframe those words? How do we reframe questions? How do we reframe acknowledging validating without removing that power from the client? Right. So speaking of acknowledging and validating, let's talk about the curse word. I understand. Oh, it's it's it's, one it's that, another one favorite of mine mm. because when you tell a client i understand you run the risk of minimizing their experience yeah we and i can know say, and i know that's not the intention right it's not it's There's- not the intention right but can we really ever understand fully someone else's experience someone else's feelings, even if you had a similar thing happen in your divorce, or you had a similar thing happen in your marriage, or you've had a similar life experience, can you truly understand? I think one thing clients count on us for is to feel special and unique and to know that we get them. And so rather than I understand, which could run the risk of minimizing how unique and special they are and how much pain and hurt they're in Mm -hmm. is to simply, I hear you. I hear how hurt you are. I hear how hard that is. Right. Because we can truly, we can never truly understand what somebody is experiencing, right? Their experiences, their feelings are unique to them. And I, I, as a divorce coach and Deb, you've been a divorce coach practicing for a long time, right? There are so many divorces. We deal with so many people engaging in the divorce process and all of those processes, although they follow sometimes similar routes, whether that's a litigative process or a mediative process or other forms of alternative dispute resolution, they are so unique to every single person, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible. Like I could not create a roadmap that was generalized for every client, right? Nor should we, because then we are minimizing that client's experience. Even if we've had clients who have had similar experiences, Mm -hmm. their experience is their experience. So the word I understand takes away from that specialness. And Mm -hmm. what is it that the client really needs, right? Right. What I believe the client is needing in those moments is to be heard, mm-hmm. right? So rather than understanding a client, we can hear a client. 
we can, can validate. Absolutely. We can validate through hearing and reflecting back for them. And that's going to develop that trust and rapport that they understand that they're in a supportive place that's reflective of what they're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other final uh, category of curse words that I'm going to put out there is promises. Mm. It's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Pet peeve of mine, because maybe it's not. Yeah. As I hear this in consult calls or discovery calls or initial sessions when people come and they back up the dump truck of problems, beep, beep, beep. And everything's bad. They don't know anything about the finances. The co-parenting's terrible. Uh, whatever, whatever it is that's in the truckload that they're backing up. And the coach, because they have an empathetic heart and want to help, right. has a tendency to say, don't worry. It's going to be okay. It's I'm going to get okay. you through this. Right. You don't know. First of all, you don't know what your client's definition of it okay is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you don't know yet. Maybe their spouse, I, I had a client whose spouse hadn't filed taxes for 10 years. Mm-hmm. They owed $850,000 to the IRS. Wow. Yeah. She's not okay. Yeah. She's not she's okay. not going to be okay for a really <laughs> effing long time. Speaking of mm-hmm. cuss words, um, <laughs> she's not okay. No. Right. So. Making promises is not doing your client any favors either. Mm -hmm. You can say, I'm with you. I'll walk beside you. You're not going to be alone through this, but Mm -hmm. it's, it may not be okay. Or it might not, it might be okay for you on your standard of okay. It may not be okay for them. Yeah. Maybe they want to spend $1,500 a month on clothes and always get their hair and nails done and belong to the country club. And anything less than that is not okay for them. So it can also come across as a judgment. And that's not the position we want to be in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, defining that word for them, right? What is, what did, what did they mean by okay? Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to gather it's not equal right? The coach is okay. And the client's okay are defined very, very differently. Right. And the coach's role in that process is to help the client further define what that means to them. Right. Which, right. There might be lots of obstacles and, and things to manage in that process, but the false promise of hope, this is, I've, I've been all on this concept. <laughs> You have been, this is, is I think she said it to me 50 times just this week. Because I just love it. It's so accurate and so simple yet somehow I've not really been focused on this. Hope is not a strategy, right? So we hope our clients are going to be okay in the end, right? And our clients can hope they're going to be okay in the end, however they define okay. What does okay look like for them? But hope is not a strategy, right? And and again, it's the use of language and how mindful we need to be about the words we use and the way we use those words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then the final thing I want to raise is 
when we're when we're working with clients, coaching is action oriented, right? That's one of the things that's different about coaching is we want to be making forward progress. So in a coaching session, uh, our goal is always to come away with some sort of next step, action step, a to-do. Mm-hmm. And it's not unusual for me to hear a coach say, so for the next session, I'd like you to X, Y, Z, or I think we should X, Y, Z. Again, we are taking away self-determination and we're not allowing the client to determine their own path. I would prefer that we say, so what do you see as your next right step here? And when would you like to accomplish it by? Right. Based on the path that we just (laughs) walked down with the client, right? And it is so very important when establishing session focus and the client developing that takeaway that they're defining it. So if they walk, if we walked down the path with our client and supported them in that process, then their next steps, right? We're, Mm -hmm. we're pretty much explored throughout that process, identifying options, generating options, assessing options, right? Right. Moving into that sort of brainstorming process where the coach can then highlight and reflect on steps that the client shared in that journey to support them. But the next steps are defined by the client, Mm -hmm. right? Accountability, as well is defined by the client, not Mm -hmm. okay. So by next week, you're going to have your financial affidavit done or by next week, you're going to have your budget done so that you have better awareness about your financial situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to email you on Wednesday and da, 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 da. No, you are not in charge. Your client is, and your job is to get them to step up to the plate. Yeah. Your job is to encourage them to take the reins and be the captain of their own ship. We talk about that a lot Mm -hmm. because they, they don't feel like they're driving this bus. Yeah. And part of our job is to say, no, really, you're the boss. Mm -hmm. You literally are the boss here and you can do it. And so we've identified a session focus, we've walked down the path, we've explored the options. And so as we're coming to the close of the session, the question to the client is, what do you want to do next? Yeah, yeah. And and I think one of the, why we came up with the concept of curse words, right? Why, <laughs> why we, we put that connotation associated with it is really those, those things that are a little taboo, Right. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the most important things for divorce coaches is our mindfulness in this process. Right. Right. We see this when we train new coaches, right? Both Deborah yes. actively engage in mentor coaching, uh, new uh, people learning the practice of divorce coaching. And, and often what happens is you can't hear yourself, right? You're in the session and you're talking away. So the benefit of what we do in mentor coaching is we record those sessions so they can hear themselves back, right? Now we don't have that opportunity. If you've been practicing and you're out there, you don't have, you're not recording your session. Our sessions are confidential. So they're not recorded, but being able to take a step back as a professional practicing divorce coach and really reflect 
on your terminology. Really reflect on the words that you used. Be mindful of those words because you might, like I said, I do not believe that any divorce coach has ill intention, right? But they just might not be putting that spotlight on their use of words and what the association of those words are. So as divorce coaches, I really encourage you to take a step back, right? Think about how you use those words. I think, I believe you should, we should, I understand. And and what can you do to sort of reframe that, right? That that puts the spotlight back on your clients and takes it off you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And really, really focus on this idea that your role is not to guide the client in their decision-making or their actions. Your goal is to help the client look inside themselves. Yeah. Right. And it's a, it's a subtle, but big difference. Yeah. And so reveal that for the client. Right. So, yeah. So we called them curse words. Yeah. Because it's taboo. And also, of course, because we thought maybe you would listen to this episode. <laughs> if we called it that, it would be titillating and you would want to listen to it um, because we think it's so important. Absolutely. So, good. Yeah. Well, so thank you everyone for, for listening. And, and I encourage you, like I said, take a step back, right? If you don't have the opportunity to participate in reflective practice, which I would welcome everyone to engage in our case consultation uh, program that we offer on a monthly basis to talk about some of this stuff and hear from other coaches and their experience and, and really focusing on that. But if you're not, which I encourage you to do, um, take a moment after your sessions, really think about how you're using language with your clients and, and can you be providing more value for your clients by, by identifying those and sort of making some adjustments in your coaching conversations. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we look forward to having you join us again. Thanks for joining us for the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. It helps other divorce professionals find us and add to the conversation. And don't forget to follow us on social media to be the first to know when we add new classes and events. We'll be back next week with another topic to help you maximize client impact, create a thriving business, and promote the value of professional divorce coaching.